Hello, and welcome to the Innovate IPM podcast, where we are passionate about the future of the industrial projects professions, presenting you the best of project management, people, and practices, combining the wisdom of time-tested methods with the cutting-edge technologies and advancements that are modernizing our craft. Our mission is to contribute to the growth and progress of the industrial project management community. It's time to talk scope, schedule, and budget. Let's start the show. Hello, Innovate IPM community. It is Rob Williams, your host of Innovate IPM. Today, we are going to talk with Josh Medica. And Josh, just a fun fact right up front, he was a judge on a panel at a demo day where companies come and do their pitch at an accelerator in Houston, uh, one of the older accelerators, I believe, called Station Houston in downtown. Uh, So they allowed us to come and take over their conference room for a little bit and do this interview. So I wanted to give them a quick shout out from their page. Station Houston aims to transform Houston into a world leading hub for technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship. They have over 180 startups that have gone through there, 350 members, 130 mentors, and dozens of high impact strategic partnerships. I was really excited to go see the Station Houston facility, to talk with the folks down there, and to be a spectator for Demo Day. It was very exciting, and I highly recommend going to their website, checking out their events, and getting yourself involved in the Houston entrepreneurship. This is a great way to do that. I think one of the most interesting things coming out of Station Houston right now is the Ion Smart Cities Accelerator, which is backed by Microsoft and Intel. They're tackling transportation, resiliency, other needs such as smart regulation of traffic lights, traffic flow, crosswalk safety. Lord knows we need that around Houston. And this will address the needs of Houston's people by deploying technology into the infrastructure and the civic fabric. I'm paraphrasing this from their site. Um, These folks believe in the entrepreneurial spirit and the incredibly diverse business environment of Houston, Texas, as do I. And they're backed by some heavy hitters, some of the top names in oil and gas and healthcare, as well as Rice University, University of Houston, City of Houston. You can find them all on stationhouston.com. That's where you'll see all their abouts, their sponsors, how you can get involved, their events. You can follow them at Station Houston on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And if you want to find out more or keep up with the Ion Smart City initiative, uh, search hashtag Ion Smart Cities Accelerator. You can follow us, Innovate IPM, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can sign up for all of our content as it comes out at InnovateIPM.com. The studio is coming together nicely. I'll post some pics on that later. We'll have our first interview um, today as I'm recording this. You won't see it for a few weeks, but uh, I'll be recording uh, our first interview in the studio with Mr. Sammy Giruti. We're going to be talking about crypto contracts very cool stuff. Check out our new blog post, thoughts on digital transformation in engineering and construction. Don't write off digital transformation as another buzzword. We're going to get into some depth and meaning of the term that cannot be ignored. 
if you're an Aspen Tech user uh, worldwide, doesn't matter where you are, I'm going to be presenting my topic that I presented at the Optimize Conference earlier this year titled Using ACCE, that's Aspen Capital Cost Estimator, for revamps and brownfield projects. This is happening Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019, if you're hearing this later, at around 11.20 a.m. Central Standard U.S. time. If you are in Houston, it'll be at Aspen Tech's West Chase campus. I suggest you show up about 11. Uh, We've already got over 100 RSVPs, so it's going to be a packed house. There's going to be barbecue, dessert there. If you're not in Houston, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't bring you barbecue and dessert, but you can watch it uh, from your office or anywhere in the world. It will be webcast live. And you can go to innovateipm.com and send me a message and I'll send you all the details for that if you're interested. So back to Josh, uh, our guest today, Josh Medica, president and founder of Integrated Consulting, um, as well as the managing director and founder of Medica Investments. He's got over 20 years in project management, project controls, consulting, and he invests in early, mid, and transitioning stage companies provides business, uh, sorry, management and business consulting and serves as an advisor on startup boards. He's also an angel investor, real estate investor, and a serial entrepreneur. He is an active board member of the Houston Angel Network, H-A-N. Really cool conversation. And like I said, really cool venue. Again, thank you so much to Station Houston for allowing us to, to conduct the interview there. We discuss tech in the industrial projects world, big topic. We discussed the benefits of getting involved in the future of the industry serves by getting involved in these startup accelerators and incubators. This way you can see the technology and the practices bubbling up from the bottom. We talk about the finding your sweet spot in business where you know what it is you're doing and you're doing it well. Uh, marketing to clients who want need and love what you're doing, according to Josh. Very important stuff. We talk about the importance of people educating themselves now, project professionals educating themselves now about AI and about the software and technology that's coming out soon so that you can be ready for the changes and not left behind. Um, All that said, let's get on with our show. Josh Medica, how are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? It's pretty good. Uh, I'm enjoying the uh, night tonight. We're at, uh, for the listeners, we are at Station Houston. Uh, we just watched Demo Day. Demo Day is a good time. They could do some pitches out there, and uh, it's an exciting event to network and talk to a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in the Houston area. Yeah, really interesting people. I think uh, I'm going to come back for sure. You were a judge. Yes, sir. Do you judge here a lot? I do. Between here and a couple of other areas, uh, it's a good way for me to check out uh, potential investments as well as uh, network with a lot of people. So yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Awesome, man. So let me ask you this. Do you see much uh, coming through these accelerators and incubators with, uh, with tech as it relates to the heavy industries, energy, oil and gas? Yeah, there's a 
there's a big contingent of startups um, that are both in the clean energy space as well as the oil and gas or heavy industry spaces. So every year, Rice has a clean energy forum where they select startups from actually across the country um, that focus on, obviously, clean energy. Um, A lot of those are oil and gas or how to lower emissions or big, heavy industries. And so there's a lot of good ways at that specific um, event or annual event to meet and look at and potentially invest a lot of different companies. But the station here has a lot of oil and gas specific startups as well from a technology standpoint, ERP businesses or startup uh, software companies, as well as, you know, few things in the industry that can just help um, more production and get things where they're supposed to go. Yeah, I actually met a couple of guys tonight. Um, one guy was doing something with uh, it almost sounded like custody transfer stuff but it had more it had less to do with custody transfer in other words getting product from one owner to another and more to do with uh, custody transfer plus spec uh, uh, quality uh, analysis plus uh, a bunch of other things that would be very useful to to owners switching products hands that was kind of a cool thing yeah I, I actually tonight I met a guy that uh, developed and is trying to sell an ERP uh, all-inclusive um, package to oil and gas companies that interfaces with Primavera and a couple of other major softwares that can um, hopefully uh, help streamline uh, productivity issues and all the forecasting and training that we deal with on project controls on heavy projects uh, from a day-to-day basis. There was also one that I saw recently. um, uh, It's called, it was, well, the name of the company is Zilper, but it's trenchless uh, drilling. So you dig a hole next to, let's say, a, a railroad or a major street and the equipment sits down in there and it essentially bores the pipe directly through so you don't have to be a big, uh, I mean, dig a big trench all the way through and drill it through there. So again, uh, and there they, they started in the water space but uh, or the utility space, but they're working with a lot of oil and gas companies as well and in, in, in major heavy industries. Gotcha. So being on the forefront of, of what you see in the Houston startup scene and being in the, the heavy industries, energy, oil and gas, what, what is it that excites you most about that intersection? Well, just that that you can apply the technology moving forward to some of the antiquaic ways that we've done things in the past. Um, you know, very antiquated. Yeah. I mean, not only from a production standpoint of moving and processing products, but you know, there was another company that looked at that could get you closer on where the, the gas leaks are in uh, midstream pipelines, uh, without having to fly the entire right away, those sort of things. Um, and obviously with the big push with AI coming through, a lot of those things are being implemented and infused to help trends to look forward, not only from a control standpoint, but again, from a product and operational standpoint uh, to where everything's, you know, comes to your hand or we know when you, when you've got a lower volume and, you know, all of these different things that project and help. So it's, it's all a little bit exciting to see, to see the technology really get infused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And what kind of stuff is it that, uh, that bothers you? about uh, this industry and technology? Is there things that keep you up at night that, that make you think, man, there's there's opportunity there or there's, there's a need for this thing? Well, you know, one of the things that 
keeps me up or, or, or bothers me from time to time is uh, the, the, the oil and gas and energy space really um, and heavy construction space or large projects like mega projects like we're used to dealing with. Sometimes we go back to the old way of doing things and we're a little bit resistant to new technologies. We've done something the same way for 50 years. Why change, right? It's worked. Our volume has been the same. We've done projects this way. We've delivered this way. Why do we need this new application? Why do we need this new product? Why do we need this new system? Um, and so, I, I, you know, those things really kind of um, keep me up at night is the resistance level that I worry about in, in, in our space from a, you know, from a large project space or a mega project space, uh, especially in the pet chem and oil and gas and energy spaces. We've got to find a way to adjust, uh, adapt and enjoy uh, the technology that, 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 that all these great entrepreneurs in the startup community has found. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think, I think what's crazy to me, um, and maybe it's not crazy, maybe that's a strong word. It's just sort of the, the zeitgeist of the whole industry, but we have this industry that's worth trillions and trillions of dollars across the world. And I, I read a study the other day by probably McKinsey or one of these, you know, okay. consulting outfits right. and the technology advancement level in engineering and construction is just above agriculture. Nah, I can believe it. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you, when you get into heavy commercial or you got skyscrapers and all that, they've got the BIM models and they're doing a lot of really yep. cool stuff in that space. Uh, that really translates can and will translate at some point over into, uh, the heavy industries, you know, but it's, it's kind of mind boggling to me that we're still, struggling with adapting new technologies. Yeah. And I, I'm not totally sure the only explanation that I really have from talking to lots of people and seeing lots of, um, mega projects, large projects, heavy industry projects is that it's, it's just not, it's a comfort level with a lot of people. Now, now, to combat a lot of that, a lot of the majors, at least in the oil and gas and the clean energy space, have partnered with places like the station or the Canon, uh, mm -hmm. Houston Exponential. And what they've done is they have created, uh, you know, Shell and Chevron. We're sitting in the Shell. You were in the Shell room for those of you who can't see. You're in the Shell Technology Ventures, Ventures. So conference room. <laughs> a lot of these majors have partnered with them and they've set up venture groups. And the venture groups are designed to go out and find these AI technology advanced companies to help optimize their business, whatever business unit, business model they're running in, in their vertical inside of, in this case, Shell or Chevron. And they not only invest in the entrepreneurs and startups, but they're obviously interested in how that can help their business, sure. make it more profitable, streamline the process. So with a lot of those majors getting involved, I'm hoping that that kind of starts a trend of accepting some of the change in the new technologies. Yeah. Well, it seems like, uh, you know, if you guys could see this place here, there's a lot of oil and gas uh, firms up on the wall as sponsors of this space here. And um, it, it seems like they're trying to keep their finger on the pulse 
they're trying to see what's bubbling up from the entrepreneurial space. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah. It's kind of eye opening for me because this is one of the, one of the things that I struggle with is just, uh, uh implementing tech, you know, uh, one of the things that, that I do in my, my daily life is try to implement, uh, digital solutions to, to a very antiquated system, uh, which is what most people right. who, who have enough foresight and, uh, you know, study up on such things are trying to do. It's very difficult. Um, it kind of makes you feel all alone yeah. out there. And when you're battling, uh, you know, it's an uphill battle with culture inside of an organization. Right. Yeah. It definitely, uh, uh, makes you feel a little like, uh, like your wheels are spinning, but then I come here and see this makes me feel better. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and to be honest with you, that's why I, Try to attend as many of these pitch sessions or events, um, especially if they're being um, sponsored or or have a lead by one of the major venture groups, mm-hmm. right? You know, Shell or Chevron or Exxon, all of them have their venture groups. And, you know, you meet a lot of interesting people through there that are really thinking forward how to apply that new technology or these new startups to their business. And that, to me, is refreshing. And that's... That's exactly what you said. That's why I like to get involved and engaged because it is eye-opening. It helps you feel like there's a future for the business that we've grown up in. Yeah, so switch gears just a little bit. You do a lot of stuff. Obviously, you're here judging startups. It's a little Shark Tank style up yeah. there. I kind of like that. It was fun. It was cool. Um, you're doing some some real estate stuff. I do some real estate, yeah. yeah which is not that. uncommon for people in our industry. There's a lot of people yep. in oil and gas and, and heavy industries who do real estate on the side. You got to diversify, man. If you you got to diversify. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. If you're, you know, so I, I mean, I try not to do a lot, but I get my hands in a lot of things. I'm not sure if that's totally good or bad. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the mega project consulting, um, the investing, both the startup and um, IPO investing, and um, do some real estate um, from rental properties to flips like we were talking about before we went on air and, um, just a couple of other investing vehicles and ventures that I've done. Um, that's exciting to me. Yeah. I've kind of re-energized myself over the past few years from, from diversifying, you know, cause we know that the energy sector can be cyclical and right. when it's bad, it's bad, man. Yeah. So no doubt. you gotta be careful. So how are you, how are you, what are you doing to juggle all of that? Yeah. Uh, what's your, what's your secret? A lot of coffee. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, I just try, you know, every week or every day, I try to make sure that I plan out and allocate enough time to look at different things to do what I need to do. So if I have a consulting gig, I know that I need to spend time on that. I got to knock those deliverables out, get those out of the way. If I got to follow up with clients, I know I got to set time for that. If I got to look at different investments or talk to startups, I do that. If I, and then every day I spend at least an hour looking for properties. Mm-hmm. Now I don't, go out to the house because that doesn't make any sense. No, a lot of time uh, wasted. It's wasted time. You yeah. can do it online, right? So I go through that and I analyze those to see um, which ones may or may not be uh, profitable for, for my business model. And really the main thing is when, you, when, when you're doing these things as an entrepreneur, you got to make sure that you stay structured both within your business plan and from a day to day because otherwise you get caught up doing one thing and you won't get the other four or five that you need to be spending time on. Sure. And so you, you've got to be reasonably disciplined. It's discipline. Yeah. Yeah, sure. 
There's uh, Jocko Willink. You know Jocko Willink? No. He's a Navy SEAL and a, a corporate coach now. And okay. he, uh, he says discipline is freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> if you don't have some structure, some discipline, you'll just go left all day and and, and, and be totally lost. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, cool, man. So you, you, um, you own and operate a small boutique consulting firm. Yep. We focus on, um, project controls, project management and implementations. Um, you know, we do a lot of gap analysis, uh, mm-hmm. putting in stage gates, putting in project controls. We don't specifically favor one software over another. We're more of a process oriented. And then we do give develop and put teams in place for for clients so we, we do have a staffing component but we try to stay on the consulting side yeah i think what i like about your your business model is that you stay small yep. intentionally yeah. And I think that uh, I think there's some value to that. So, what do you feel is the role of the small boutique firm in this industry that's kind of dominated by larger, yeah. older, not always doing so great firms? I just saw I just saw Floor was selling off a billion dollars worth of assets today. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of that. I mean, I like to stay small because you can focus on your clients and your employees. Uh, When you start to get too big, you start losing a little bit of that. You start losing the customer service. You start losing the employee um, engagement that that, that people really want and like, um, and you start losing some of the flexibility. Um, And to be honest with you, you start getting too big, you start to get a lot of headaches. And so for me, through trial and error over the years, I've found that settling into that sweet spot, making sure you know what you're doing, marketing that to those potential clients, that want and need and like or love that piece believe in it mm-hmm. support it um was really was really kind of my niche and yeah. so that's been my biggest selling point because if you just start throwing people out there and not going through your due diligence and trying to get to 100 people or 200 people what you'll find is your quality goes through the floor and then your credibility goes with it yeah and nothing's more important than credibility in this industry. That's it. It's a much smaller industry than than people outside the industry realize. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You said that the uh, the client wants and loves and needs that certain uh, service, service that you're providing. Yeah. And I think that, that that's a that's a powerful statement because I think that in my experience, oftentimes clients don't even realize what it is they need and they're not in love with it and they don't think that they want it. And so what happens is, uh, if it's forced upon them, uh, it's never, it's never a good situation. Yeah. Uh, the contract goes sour, uh, people withhold information, people stall, award other, you know, functions in the organization. Uh, but if you're finding those kinds of clients that, that know and appreciate yep. and, and, and respect the value that you're providing, man, that's power. That's a lot of power. Yeah. And, and you know, what's difficult about what you just said is I, I think I learned that lesson the hard way. Not only did I have to go into meetings and sell people on my company, but I had to sell people on the needs for the services. You had to educate them. Yeah. yeah and yeah. It, it just became so difficult. And, you know, now I'm to the point where, like, if if, if that's not what you, you think you need, okay, not a problem. Um, and we just figure out how to 
how to move forward. But I spent a lot of energy trying to convince people um, to, to do what I deemed the right thing. Um, and man, it was just, it was, it's like butting your head on the wall. You sure. just, it's just really, really difficult. And I made that decision, uh, I don't know, a few years back that I just wasn't doing that anymore. Um, if, <laughs> if you don't have, if you don't have stakeholder engagement and a sponsor inside the organization that wants, loves, needs that, whether it be project management, project controls, you know, estimating, it doesn't matter what discipline, document control, it doesn't matter. You're just burning daylight. Right. Because they're just, they're not going to push it down. Yeah. You know? Right. Mm. Yeah. And we could circle back to the the same is is cultural, right? Yeah. And we can circle back to what we were saying earlier about technology and, and dealing with the cultural change yeah. and educating people, especially technology. I mean, when we start talking AI and machine learning and, right. and, and all this automation stuff and, and, and old school people want full control. They want to put their fingers on stuff yeah. and control it. And this takes that out of their hands. Um, but it's an educational yeah. You know, it's, a, it's an education effort that needs to take place. Let's talk about tech in the energy sector. So what's your favorite tech appearing right now in the heavy industries? Oh, that's a good question. Um, lot to choose from. Yeah, there's a there's a lot there's a lot going on, especially with some of the AI infused um, software. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a risk. Well, it's a scheduling and risk tool out there. I'm not going to name it right now, but that is definitely infusing um, not only algorithms, but AI back in and machine learning to make recommendations on your schedule by loading in all of the historical data from not only what you said you were going to do from the planning phase, but also how you executed it um, and, and, and completed the project. Um, and then what it does is, it you know, you develop your schedule in Primavera and it takes and makes recommendations from either your historical data or a very similar type project or both. And then what it does is it, also adds in the risk component of it, right? And so really AI and machine learning is, is, is really simply put is using your historical data to trend forward. I mean, it's just like, it's just like when you, when you go on uh, Amazon and you buy a pair of headphones, what happens next time you pop on Amazon? 500 headphones <laughs> pop up. Right, right, yeah. That's because you looked at <laughs> headphones. It's the same sort of, it's the same sort of thought process. It's just applied to what we do. And there's a lot of softwares out there, but but the one I'm talking about right now um, has, has done a pretty good job. It's making some headway in specifically project management as well as uh, the project controls arena. But I foresee a future where um, things like cost forecasting become just flat out automated. E, 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 um that is definitely a reasonable possibility. I mean, I think we're always going to need the human interface to, sure. to cross check and, and, and make sure that things are right. But specifically cost forecasting, um, you know, you can apply whatever KPIs you'd like to it. You can look at the historical data. It's going to make recommendations and trends for you. And it, may get to the point, I don't know, I, th I think it's going to take a bit, but it may get to the point where you just click, click, click off the recommendations and you have a forecast. Mm -hmm. um, now, there's still a lot of things that got to go into that. You got to put your actuals, you got to interface and do all those other things that come across with it. But to me, that would be probably 
the most impacted service in project management yeah. from an AI perspective would be cost forecasting and trending. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah that's what yeah. I think. And then we'll, we'll be talking about reskilling after that. Once that, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what we, you know, as part of the podcast is this is, this is us identifying future trends, things that, that mm-hmm. are real possibilities that people can think about and apply to their careers. We know that, uh, things like robotics and, and data, uh, you know, algorithms and, and data analysis and, and machine learning and AI are going to put a lot of occupations at risk uh, they already have yeah. in a lot of industries. Mining is a, is yeah. a good example where robotics have kind of taken over. Um, I saw a robot the other day. I don't know if you've seen this thing or not. I can't remember what it was called, but this thing looked like a little mini army, uh, like a little mini uh, tank. You know, it had little treads on it, and it rolled around the job site, and inside of it, it had a BIM model, and it had scanners 360 degrees. I Yeah, and it would scan the job site as it rolls through, and when it would identify a real object that matched the BIM, it would it would claim it. And so this robot was basically doing earned value. It was getting progress. It was, uh, it was yeah, quantity survey. Exactly. Yeah. It was quantity surveying. That's exactly what it was doing. Wow, that's, and this that's thing climbed insane. stairs and all kinds of stuff, dude. I was like, no, I hadn't seen that one yet, and I'm constantly looking at you know futuristic or AI Doxel. machine learning. It's called Doxel. D O X. El, check that out. All right, I'll take a look. Uh, yeah, and and you know, looking forward with project management and project controls, I think that if people that want to remain in that profession, um, they're going to need to diversify their skill sets, right? Because we just talked about the cost forecasting and trending well if you've got a diversified background where you can do scheduling and cost and estimating and maybe some document control or some risk they can use you in multiple areas that'll help offset some of that right so Mm -hmm. now instead of just being a cost controller you can help with scheduling or you can help with risk or you can help with estimating that will help those individuals that are concerned about the ai impacting their jobs moving forward as well as go ahead and educate yourself now now about ai yep. about the softwares and the tools that are going to be coming out in the next five ten years yeah so that you're already ready for that yep because man if you if you're not you you got a good chance of getting left behind. Yeah. I really think they need there. Somebody needs to take the initiative. Some company needs to take the initiative and maybe there's one out there to, to start educating people just on the very basics of, of what all that even means. I think most people, it's just that you, you don't understand what it means. You say AI it's a Will Smith movie, right? I mean, yeah, what, yeah. what, what is that? What does that mean? Even me, I was at the optimize conference in uh, May right across the street here. And, uh, and it was very heavy, uh, on AI automation, uh, big data, data analysis. And, uh, most of that was over my head. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what, when you, when I talk to people or read articles or listen to podcasts about AI, or we start getting into machine learning or algorithms, the first thing I tell people is, look, I'm not a coder. I can't write an algorithm. I I, I can't get into that. Now, I can understand the concepts and how things to come together and the process of how we're going from A to B, but 
you start getting into too many components and it's right over my head too. And yeah. it's, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. That's what it is. It's such a big unknown. So, yeah. and, and, you know, guys like, like us are actually looking like we're studying and we're trying to, trying to keep our finger on the pulse of that and see where it's all headed. But man, the, the technical guys who are working in it, man, they know a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and that may be, you know, that's another thought process brainstorming session you could go down would be, you know, do the coders become project controls people? Yeah. Do the, you know, you know, they know all the back end stuff. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? It'll be no exciting to see. <laughs> It'd be exciting to see what happens. But if you want to stay in that project management swim lane, as we like to say, you're going to need to sharpen up and diversify your skill sets. Yeah. My, my, my opinion. Let's talk about the startup community right here in Houston. Houston is the oil and gas engineering mecca, uh, yep. at least of the, the Western hemisphere. What about this scene is special that makes it different than say Silicon Valley? Well, obviously from an oil and gas perspective, there's I mean, we just talked about all the different venture groups that are at the majors now. Um, so you've got the oil and gas hub here. So a lot of the energy sector uh, and Petchem as well, it's a great place to network, to try, to run pilots, uh, to code out things, to look at stuff, right? So it's easy access to all that, it, again, if they have a ventures group, some of them um, may not be interested in that. Now, Houston itself, um, you know, the current mayor in the area is dropping money into this city with places like the station and other incubators around here so that it will attract startup companies so that they know that they've got mentors from, from other entrepreneurs and they've got investors that are in the community and they've got, you know, organizations that may sponsor them or help them like the ventures groups. They got opportunities to work with companies to get their pitches down. A lot of different things that this community, Houston, has done to really absorb and attract all of the entrepreneurs and startups, um, uh, you know, both from a oil and gas and a tech and a medical, because we got the massive medical right. center here, but there's a lot of different things. Um, you know, Austin was making a big push for Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is never going to be topped, but it's still Silicon Valley. But sure. you know, Austin was, it's got a lot of startups, a lot of, a lot of tech based startups, Yeah, but it's really starting to kind of show here in Houston between, again, all the incubators and the other companies and and the things that people are putting in place. They're building the brand new Ion over there. I, I don't even remember how much it costs, but a whole building just focused on startups and the startup community. And, oh, I didn't hear about Yeah, that. the whole thing. So, I mean, and, and the government's giving money and they've got, you know, setting everything up. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things happening that attract and then, then the buzz starts, right? So people start hearing this, they get attracted to come over. You know, Mountain View has Google. We have ExxonMobil. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> we tried to get Amazon here, but I don't, I don't think they were interested. They, in like, they like teasing everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plus I'm a little biased, but I think we got better food than California uh, by far. Yeah, yeah. agreed. I just came back from there. I was actually at Google, a friend of mine. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's a project manager for uh, YouTube. He's on the YouTube uh, TV. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's helping with that uh, launch of that uh, that application. That's so. got to be a fun deal. 
Yeah, he's having a lot of fun. He he's been over there. He's worked for a few different tech startups, and he actually came out of the industrial sector too. When I met him, we were working for an engineering firm together, and then he left uh, to go over there and, and work in tech. So I'm gonna try and get him on the podcast as well. There's a lot of people that have jumped ship yeah. from from energy to to tech. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, it's a, it's an opportunity, right? Uh, and I, I call it cross pollinating. Exactly. You know, you've got you've got this certain skill set, and 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 it can be used in in special kinds of ways in other sectors, uh, and vice versa, right? I want right. to see some tech guys come over to oil and gas and industry. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they have. And yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And I'm sure there'll be more. Yeah, yeah. Especially at, right after this podcast, they're gonna get their plane <laughs> tickets and head to Houston. That's it. They're out of there. <laughs> come on, H Town. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you you see a lot of startups. Um, around here, especially in these accelerators, incubators, uh, what are some of the mistakes you see when they're trying to break into, well, just mistakes you see them as startups in general? Oh man. What kills a startup? Well, there's, there's a lot of things that kill a startup, you know? So there's different perspectives. I mean, one is, you know, from a getting things done and deliverables basis, Again, we go back to the discipline. Uh, you got to have discipline. You got to set yourself with milestones so you can hit those deliverables just like we do in project management. All that is applicable here. And if you don't have that discipline, forget it, mm-hmm. right? Then on top of that, you got to be able to hustle. So you got to be knocking on doors, asking people, what do you think about this product? Can we partner on this? Can I pilot it here? Would you consider that? You know, these sort of things, right? To, to get the product out, whether it's a, an app or, or, or a tangible product, it doesn't matter. You got to get feedback. You got to get buy-in. You got to get support. Then you get to the, to the next piece, which is people would argue is most important, which is the investment piece. Then you got to go pitch like we saw tonight and get people to actually give you their hard earned money. That's not easy, you know? Um, and, and, some of the problems they run into there is overvaluations. Uh, we kind of had one that we can talk about that will run a lot of investors the other way, right? And and then you got just not having a good business model or not having a quick enough path to generating revenue and or profit, right? Um, it's my opinion that the wrong startup model is to keep dumping money, keep dumping money until you get the app or product perfect. Sure. I say you yeah. get it past beta, test it, do a few things and run with it and see the feedback, yeah. absorb the feedback, make adjustments before you go to version one. That makes sense. Right? You know, you go to version zero, you put the thing out there. Some people spend so much money on making it perfect and there's there's nothing. You haven't generated any revenue when you could have been getting feedback and sending out other versions and, and updating things. All along, maybe making money and paying back investors. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the end game, right? right. So... I think that uh, I think if you can steer clear of a couple of those, you'll be all right. But you know, man, there's been a lot of people. I mean, Lyft just Lyft and Uber went public. They made a penny, and they raised right. like a billion dollars or something. That was insane. amazing. Yeah, and I invested in Lyft three years ago, and it's kind of dropped here recently. So I'm not the happiest investor. But right. but I mean, how do you go public and you haven't made a dime? Right. That that to me doesn't doesn't make any sense. But it works and they've raised a billion dollars yeah. or, or more. Yeah. Hmm. 
who are some of the startups impressing you right now that you see in the Houston startup scene? Well, there's a there's a good company based out of Houston, uh, Nesh, and N E S H, and not they, Nest, Nesh, not 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 N E S H, and um, there it's essentially a smart assistant for oil and gas. Um, it's kind of like if um, Siri had uh, oil and gas experience, oh, and yeah, you just simply talk into it, um, and it can give you, um, you know, geotechnical studies, uh, geoscience, petroleum, um, and all the oil fields and all the areas, uh, maybe globally, but I know for sure domestically. Wow. So it can quickly run all the data and tell you, do we, don't we need to do advanced studies in these areas? Um, and I know that they've got a lot of clients and making some good, uh, I know they've raised a lot of money and they've gone a long ways. And I know that they're really helping look forward in our industry, but, but there still is a contingent of people that say, well, where do they get that data from? How can I trust the data? Because it's a back end consolidation of data, right? It's just a massive data management, um, app. Um, that quickly gets it at your fingertips. So um, I think that they've, I didn't personally invest in them, but I know that they're making big waves and uh, hopefully going to go a long way. Yeah. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Uh, man, I tell you, it's, it's, there's no shortage of ideas out there. And I, I just feel like the more people keep pushing the envelope, the more advanced that we keep getting and this stuff that's bubbling up under the surface, I can't wait to see what makes it makes its way to success. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, nah, man, we hit, uh, we hit all the points here. Cool. So, uh, it's been, it's been uh, wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed it and, uh, love doing these podcasts. I know sometimes I get off subject, but uh, that's the fun part. Oh yeah. No, no, it's no worries. We, we enjoy the casual conversation. That's what we're trying to, get away from the stuffiness of the, uh, of the industry. So awesome, man. Thanks so much for being on. And, uh, I look forward to, uh, having you again sometime in the future. You bet. Talk to you soon, man. Appreciate it. You bet. Well, that was the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found out some new things and I hope you're motivated to keep pursuing the next phases of your career and business. I'm Rob Williams. I'm signing out.